I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. If we make it feel like punishment and deprivation, it won't work. Like for me, that's never worked. I have to have, it has to be linked to something positive so that I feel inspired to move forward. And I did this with sobriety as well. I was like, the not drinking feels like the worst thing that I could ever imagine. So how can I make it not so? How can I make it something that I look forward to? Like, so I started to look at what I would do with my time instead and how I wanted to feel and all the benefits and started linking it to that so my actions would build upon this. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience, a first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and indulgence, to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode, I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena, as you all know, and today I am joined by Rebecca Weller. Good morning, Rebecca. Nice to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to have you on the show. I was just saying before we started recording, I've been following you for years, so I'm quite excited to actually speak to you face to face (laughs) I love it (laughs) I'll just introduce you so the readers know all the listeners even know all about you so Rebecca Weller is a health and life coach author and speaker she's named one of Perth's leading healthpreneurs by the Sunday Times magazine Rebecca helps women from around the world to get their sparkle back and create a life they love. She's the creator of SexySobriety.com. She leads one-on-one and group coaching programs, hosts live events, and is the author of the best-selling memoir, A Happier Hour, and the long-awaited follow-up, Up All Day. Rebecca writes about love, life, and the strength and potential of the human spirit. Her work has been featured by the Telstra Business Awards, the Australian Fast Company, Sydney Morning Herald, the Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, Better Homes and Gardens USA, SBS Food, Good Health Magazine, Marie Claire Australia, and Elle Quebec. Wow, 
That's cool. That's quite a mouthful, isn't it? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm a, yeah, that's so cool. I love it. So as you know, I'm all about promoting self-care to nurses. And I just love how you go about promoting self-care relationships we have with alcohol. So I, as I said, I've been following you for years. I'm one of your Facebook fans. And I remember reading even A Happier Hour a few years ago and thinking, oh my God, she's talking to me. <laughs> it was quite incredible. And I think as nurses, we do all have a tendency to maybe have a glass of wine or two when we feel stressed. I know most of my colleagues do as well. So yeah, it would be great to find out what you suggest and your hints and tips for self-care around the subject. So I will jump into the regular questions we go through. So as you know, I speak about self-care and I always encourage people to have a non-negotiable in their self-care. What would be your non-negotiable? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. I love this topic so much because like you say, like that reaching for the drink is such an easy um, sort of escape, right? It's that sort of easy out. And and I used that for so long. So when I stopped, I had to learn self-care from the basics of like, oh my goodness, like I don't know how to care for myself. Like I haven't been, I thought I was caring for myself by having these drinks, but I wasn't at all. It wasn't long-term care. And so the non-negotiables, you know, I started out just really slowly and I started introducing new things. One thing I remember um, one of my friends, she said to me once, she was like, oh, it's like, and she was trying to describe something. And she was like, quick, what did you, what did you do first thing this morning? And I was like, uh, uh, I thought about work. And she was like, no, before that, what did you do? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking, what is she getting at? I'm like, what? Scratch my butt. Like, what answer do you want here? And she's like, no, the very, what's the very first thing you do when you wake up? And I was like, I'm at a loss. And she said, you look at your phone. And I was like, no, 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 no. I don't look at my phone. And she was like, what? You are the only one because I had learned to do that. And that's one of my non-negotiables now is like no devices in the bedroom because I what I discovered when I stopped drinking is that I tend to be quite a sensitive soul and I tend to take on other people's energies and other people's opinions quite deeply. And what I was doing was like opening up my phone and letting myself be subjected to all of these these thoughts and the opinions and and um, different viewpoints before I'd eaten even started my day and so you know that's one that comes to mind as non-negotiable of like okay no I only turn on my phone between eight and eight and then if anyone needs to reach me outside of those times they'll just have to wait until I turn the phone back on again oh gosh that's awesome I would love to be able to do that but it's something I try to do and I am, yeah, I struggle to do it, but I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> because it, it takes practice, right? And, and it was scary at first. I was like, I'm so used to having it. Like we 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 have them with us 24-7, forgetting that a few decades ago we didn't have this addiction to smartphones that we have now and that we weren't uh, endlessly reachable. And so to actually like put it away, you're 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 creating that boundary, which I think is so important. Yeah, definitely. And as you say, you take on all the opinions and the information and, and you end up like 
ruminating on it and you'll end up dreaming sometimes about stuff that you've looked at on social media before you've fallen asleep yeah right yeah and I would take all of those things with me throughout the day and and I would get to like 11 a.m and I'd think why am I still so upset or why am I still going around and around about oh but maybe that opinion is not right because maybe of this you know I I would consume all of this stuff before I even had a chance for me to do my own work you know so now I had this rule about creating before I consume I love that. I'm a big um, fan of having media breaks. I mean, I don't watch TV and I don't listen to the radio in the car, you know, so I am kind of on that path. But yeah, leaving the phone out of the bedroom, it's my alarm clock. That's my excuse. <laughs> that's that's the excuse I'm using right now. But yes. yeah, maybe I'll buy an alarm clock and yeah, give it like a shot. Go old school. Exactly. Give it a try. It is so liberating, though. You know, years ago, uh, my love and I went on uh, a holiday and we went to to um, an island in Fiji and it didn't have any Wi-Fi. And I noticed like for that first first few or actually first couple of days, every time I had an urge of like, oh, I'll see what some, so-and-so is doing or, oh, I'll share this. Like I would keep reaching for it. And then it was like, oh, you can't do anything. There's no internet. There's, you know, there's nothing. But after those first two days, which actually felt quite like terrifying, it felt so liberating. I was like, I don't have to keep up with anything. I don't have to post anything. I don't have to read anything. It was actually quite lovely. Yeah, I can imagine it would be. And I'm actually, I'm going on um, school camp this weekend with my son who's in year six. And I know my phone will be put aside for the whole weekend. And I'm really looking forward to it. But then I had this anxiety earlier. I thought, what if anyone's trying to reach me? Maybe I should put a post on Facebook saying I'm on school camp. You can't get me to... (laughs) You know, it started going round and round in my head. And I thought, no, Lena, just turn your phone off and go and enjoy school camp with your son. <laughs> it's so funny, right? And and the thing is, is like we all are like this as well. Like I, I had once I started this boundary and because I always think the universe will send you a test. As soon as you put a boundary in place, you'll get a test. And so my test was a friend and she was like, she tried to call me at like 9 p.m. at night and I didn't answer. So when I turned on the phone the next morning, she left a message saying, why don't you ever answer your phone? And I was just called her back and I was just like, I do, hun, just not between eight and eight. Like, you know, you can always reach me between these times. So it's that that thing as well of like we expect others to be um, endlessly contactable. And so we that's what brings up some anxiety in us as well, especially if we identify as people pleasers, which I tend, tended to in the past, then I would be like, oh, but what if I inconvenience someone by putting this boundary in place? Yeah, that's so true. And I think as nurses, we are those kind of nurturing, kind of people-pleasing personalities. It's just the nature of who we are and why we go into the work that we do. And yeah, I can imagine it's that element as well of what if work calls me really early because someone phones in sick and they've got to change my shift. You know, all that stuff goes on in your, the back of your mind, doesn't it? If you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try, why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief. It's 12 minutes of pure self-care. So I've created a model of self-care because when I first started promoting self-care to nurses, I realized very quickly, and I don't know if you had the same thing when you started, Rebecca, 
I recognize that people associate self-care with things like bubble baths and trips to the day spa. They weren't actually digging deep enough and going into what they really need to in order to ensure they're living these fulfilled lives. So I broke it down into five aspects, the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and the indulgent aspects of the self-care. But what is your idea of indulgent self-care? I, I really, you know, I, I, I love this question because we tend to like when if you had have asked me when I first stopped drinking and I had no idea about self-care, I would have thought indulgent means buying myself something luxurious or going to a more luxurious day spa or, you know, something like that. I would have equated it probably with money. Now I see that our most valuable resource is time. And so, you know, I see as well, like how much, how stressed I get if I don't allow myself enough time, whether that's time to get ready, time to finish a project, time to um, even just like some white space in the calendar, just time to think. Because I, you know, if you ever had that experience where you go on a holiday and then you come back and you have this whole new perspective and you look at your work and you look at your home life and you look at things and you're like, hang on, this is not quite working. I'm going to change this. You know, that time to think is so important. And I think when we when we are natural carers and nurturers and people pleasers and sensitive souls, we can tend to perhaps put these these this time into our calendar, like our, our white space around things but then we allow others to railroad those, you know, like if others need us, we, we, we quickly sacrifice that time, which is to our detriment, because I think we, you know, they always say like, fill up your own cup and give from the overflow. And we are more effective and more, um, more kind and compassionate and more helpful to everyone else when we first take care of ourselves. So to me now that the, the most indulgent thing we can give ourselves is time. Oh, I'm so with you there. I mean, I spent most of Saturday afternoon just chilling out, listening to music, just being with my thoughts. And I did a lot of journaling and because I just had such a hectic week last week and I thought I just need to sit down and regroup and focus on me for half an hour, an hour and just, yeah, get my thoughts clear. It's so important. But a lot of people they struggle with that concept and they have to be constantly busy and I'm always encouraging my listeners and my clients to come back to themselves and allow themselves to just sit in the quietness and um, do some meditating or some journaling. And yeah, just allow that time because when we're constantly going, 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 we're like that when we're at work as nurses. You know, we don't stop. Mm -hmm. Often we'll miss breaks and it's not good for our bodies at all just to constantly be on go 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 you know we end up in that fight or flight and we then get sick because we get stressed so yeah allowing that white space I love the way you say that white space that's very good and um yeah just having some me time it's yeah. so important it really is and then you know when you when you are caring for others I think it's even more important like if you were just going to work and doing an analytical job I think you know you still need that extra time but when you are constantly like giving and caring for someone else it's even more crucial because they rely on you like we tend to think oh but they need me now but forgetting that we will be more effective and more helpful to them if we are, you know, fully looked after ourselves. If like, if we make sure that we are health, because like you say, that, that 
the adrenaline, the, um, you know, that our adrenals can tap out when we constantly push ourselves and go, go, go. And this is something that I've had to learn the very hard way because I w- I've always been very impatient. I've always been sort of like a type A personality as well of like pushing myself. And also I grew up in, in a home and, and a school and an environment and a, probably a time that was all about you know, oh, just get over it. It's all in your head. Move on, um, toughen up. You know, you'll be fine. This sort of thing. And so for me, like, especially when it comes to feeling stressed or feeling like I need a break or stopping and doing nothing, that has been such a learning curve where I've had to really sort of slow down and say, look underneath the hood, like go a little deeper, as you were saying before, um, and, and think about, why am I so afraid to slow down? Like, why am I so resistant to taking this little break and, and to resting? Yeah, and that leads in beautifully to my next question. I always say that as nurses, we should be endeavouring to be the best versions of ourselves because when we're turning up as the best versions of ourselves, our patients are benefiting from the best care we can give. So who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself? <laughs> Such a big question, right? And, and you know, I I really feel like my my love, my husband, my and my friends, they really do inspire me like in different ways. Like I can see the strengths that they have that I aspire to. So I really love that. Like I really think it's so important who we surround ourselves with. And you know, when I stopped drinking. I really struggled with this as well because for so long I'd had these these certain friends that I like to drink with. And when I stopped drinking, all of a sudden we didn't have that in common. So now I had to look at creating new friendship groups and how I would go about that and what I valued in friendship and what I really wanted, how I wanted to spend my time, my, you know, my leisure time, my free time. And so really I started to think about how um, the the types of people that you want to be around and the types of people that that make me feel really good and that inspire me further. But also what really inspires me is seeing how far I've come, like looking back and and I always say that sobriety is like a, um, it's like personal development on steroids, like it just happens so quickly and that's part of what what creates all of the growing pains that happen and, and why it's so, why in my book, I, I cried so much, you know, like there was so much crying because it was such a period of growth and evolution that was scary and really tough. But also it means that you grow so much. And when I look back and I see how I used to handle things like creating healthy boundaries or communication skills or conflict resolution, like all these things that I had no idea were part of self-care that were part of like taking care of myself and creating a life that I really wanted then I get inspired as well because I'm like okay well if I if I have come this far already like imagine what else I might be capable of yeah that's beautiful I'm going to go back to how you started that about the people you surround yourself with it's so important who those external influences is are even in your life and that's like I said at the start you know why I don't really watch mainstream media I don't listen to the radio because I don't want all that bombarding me you know like you said with your smartphone it ruminates in your mind you take on all that energy of whatever it is you're consuming and it's the same with who you're spending your time with what is it is it I can't remember who is it is that says it's it Tony Robbins that you become the 
average of the five people you spend the most time with. And when I first heard that, I thought, wow, who am I spending my time with? It's so true, though, because it makes you think and you really do start to like focus in on who you are spending your time with. And you realize very quickly the ones that are energizing you and the ones that are just draining you. It's it's incredible, really. Exactly. So, and another motivational speaker, I can't remember who it was, but said, um, show me your friends and I'll show you your, your future. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> That's a good one too. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's so good because, you know, if you have friends that have like money blocks or, you know, have, have are always talking about that they're broke and stuff like that, you're not going to want to get ahead financially. If you have friends that are always talking about how they um, are unhealthy and how they, you know, that that last night I had a big binge you're not going to want to be healthier in your or at least to share that with them about your journey so you know that's who we surround ourselves with yeah it's so important and and so often we fall into these friendship groups unintentionally like without conscious thought we just are like oh but that's who I've always hung out with. And that was part of what was so hard about early sobriety was like, okay, if I'm not spending all these hours in the bar or in the nightclub drinking, what am I going to do with my time? What do I enjoy doing? Like what are the hobbies and interests and things that I want to explore? And then what? who are the people that want to do that as well, like those common interests? And this, it sounds so basic, but it had never occurred to me before that maybe you want to have common interests with your friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am. I totally resonate with that because I have tried. So I'm going to be vulnerable here. So many times to go completely sober, and I always like I go to that. Yeah, I can do this, and I'll go to the moderation point, and then it just escalates and escalates, and it comes to that get to that one time where it all just gets messy, and then you think, why, why? <laughs> and yeah, I like it. earlier this year. I did. I thought well, that's it. A hundred days, don't drink at all because I'm not a big drinker anyway. So I thought. I'll do that. And I, yeah, I did really well. And I feel like since I've done that, I have changed my mindset towards alcohol because in that hundred days, I felt amazing. <laughs> but it is, it's that people you surround yourself with as well, because I'd be invited out and stuff and they'd be like, oh, but you don't drink anymore. And I was like, no, but I can still come out and have fun. You know, it doesn't. <laughs> exactly you're like I'm not I'm I'm, you know I'm not drinking I'm not dead (laughs) yeah yeah it doesn't mean that I'm I'm a less of a person just because I'm not going to get smashed with you you know it's and yeah like I yeah I've had this love-hate relationship with alcohol since I was legal enough to drink so yeah your book really resonated with me but more often than not I tend to give it a miss now I'll always say I'll be the driver and then that's it I don't that's my excuse well reason really I I say I'll drive then yeah that's a nice yeah nice easy way and it it feels amazing as well like the first few times that I drove home from a a party or something I was like wow this is great she'll be standing out the front waiting for a taxi for hours on end exactly and you wake up the next morning and you feel amazing and it's like whoa I don't have a hangover I love this exactly get up early and it's like oh my gosh this feels amazing who knew (laughs) I know who knew you could go out and have fun and not get drunk it's yeah but I think it's that when we go back to that like friends thing and it is a lot of it I found I know myself is with it's peer pressure and that's why I end up dabbling again and then it ends up escalating into something messy at times and it's um 
yeah, I think I'm going to go back to that zero. I'm not doing the moderation. I'm going to take a leaf out of your book, Rebecca. And- <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> give, it, give it another shot. Exactly. That's oh, yeah. Healthy spring summer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I did it over the summer last year too. Yeah. And I remember my colleagues going, why? But just why? And I said, why not? You know? <laughs> why not I don't want to feel like rubbish on a Sunday morning and and waste my day off I can go and enjoy myself and do something that's meaningful to me and you know make connections and beautiful friendships and things exactly there's so much to gain yeah so what would be your advice or tips or what would you offer the listeners to um help them if they're resonating with what we're saying I would say to like start small and build upon it. Like you don't have to do everything all at once when it comes to self-care. And so much of self-care I I discovered was for me, it felt like parenting myself about choosing the longer term gain over the short term um, impulse because I'd always reach for the easy thing. Like I'd always go on for, okay, what's quick and easy so that I don't have to feel this way or I don't have to deal with this tiredness or you know whatever it was to then look at, okay, but what's going to make you feel better tomorrow, a week from now, two months from now, that longer term thing where I'm looking at, oh, okay, maybe saving some money instead of spending it would make me feel better in the long term. Maybe looking after my health better would mean that in a month from now, I'm feeling better overall. So again, like coming back to that patience, which I really struggled with so much because it just wasn't inbuilt in me. So I'm like, okay, I have to choose the long haul here. And just building upon it. One of the really cool things that I learned about when I was studying health coaching was a concept called crowding out. And that was about bringing in new habits. And as you bring in the old ones, sorry, as you bring in the new ones, you naturally crowd out the old ones. So rather than sort of going, I'm not doing this anymore, you're like, okay, but I'll bring something in. In particular, this example was about food. So it was like, okay, well, what's one green thing I can eat or drink today? So as you do that and you're like, okay, well, what's how many extra glasses of water could I have today? And of course, as you're bringing in extra water, you're drinking less um, sugary drinks, you're drinking less um, top coffees and teas. And so you're naturally crowding out those things. And I thought, what a beautiful, gentle way to go about it, like to bring in these new habits and build upon them. And the fun thing about creating action and like making it into because I'm a big believer as well in that if we make it feel like punishment and deprivation it won't work like for me that's never worked I have to have it has to be linked to something positive so that I feel inspired to move forward and I did this with sobriety as well I was like okay the not drinking feels like the worst thing that I could ever imagine. So how can I make it not so? How can I make it something that I look forward to? Like, so I started to look at what I would do with my time instead and how I wanted to feel and all the benefits and started linking it to that. So my actions would build upon this. And the fun thing about that is that you can you can turn it into a like a game a treasure map and so you can start reading about all these self-care principles and then say okay what's one little thing that I could bring in and start to to practice today and that action creates confidence so you start to propel yourself into motion where you're like okay well I did that 
and I feel really good about myself. So now I'm inspired to do something else and bring in another healthy habit. And then you feel even better about yourself. And I think so much of my sobriety journey was learning how to rebuild my self-worth and my self-respect because I had damaged that relationship for so long and in my self-trust as well. And so doing these little actions, I started to see, oh, okay, my self-esteem started to build of like, okay, I can do these little things. I can learn how to care for myself. Maybe I am the sort of person who deserves to be cared for. And that created this beautiful momentum. I love that concept of crowding out. That's beautiful. Because it is, if we start to say, I'm not doing this, we feel like we're being punished, you know, Mm -hmm. subconsciously. And yeah, so focusing on the the new activities you're going to do instead. Yeah, you don't feel like you're losing anything. That's an awesome, an awesome (laughs) reframe of it, isn't it? (laughs) It helps to make it feel gentle and and fun and, and positive. Yeah, just standing here listening to you, I was thinking, gosh, that's kind of what I've done. Like over the past few years, I've transitioned and I've become a vegetarian, you know, and I have really changed my diet. And as I say, I don't drink much at all now. And I think I've naturally just done that, but not realized what I've been doing. So, yeah, (laughs) that light bulb's just gone off. Yes, yes, right. (laughs) And, you know, for some people, they're sort of like, right, that's it. On this day, I'm becoming vegetarian and and that's it going forward. And for others, it's this slow process of like learning more and then bringing more in and seeing how that feels. And there was so much when I was studying health coaching, we would experiment on ourselves. So it'll be a case of like, okay, eat this meal and then write down how it makes you feel an hour later and then five hours later and then the next morning. And so you started to see this connection between like your actions and how you feel long-term. And this was just mind blowing to me because I was like, what I'd always, always thought of of food as only calories. Like either it's going to make me heavier, it's going to make me lighter. That's it. That's how I viewed it. I didn't think about the way that it reacts in the body, the way that it would make me feel long-term. So, you know, all of these little things that just add up to making us think about, okay, what's, what about my long-term health and happiness? How can I take care of that? Yeah, that's beautiful. And it is, it's like you said, I for a long time associated food with calories and it was just input, output, you know, fuel. But mm-hmm. the more you pay attention to what you're actually putting in and how it makes you feel in your body. I mean, just yesterday I thought, I feel really sluggish and I don't know why. And then I thought, I've been eating rubbish for a few days. So <laughs> this morning I've got up and I, I've just, just before we started recording this, I've had a green juice. So it's like, right, Lena, get some goodness back in your- <laughs> Get those nutrients in there, girl. Yeah, love it. <laughs> Fuel yourself up. You've got a big week. You need to be on your yeah. game. Stop eating rubbish. <laughs> Have a green juice. <laughs> and oh my gosh, this year has just been nuts, right? I mean, this year has been crazy and it's tested everyone. And I think we have, like, I I believe as a as a planet we have learned so much more as well about the the self-care and also about our little addictions you know like the little things of like okay you know when I'm stressed I reach for cookies when I'm stressed I reach for alcohol when I'm stressed you know all of these things and we start to can start to see okay this is how I usually handle these emotions how could I better care for myself yeah I think especially with us all being at home a lot more I mean obviously us nurses well here in Australia, we're in a funny situation, especially in WA. You know, when 
COVID first hit, I got sent home for four weeks because I work in elective surgery. So we just closed. And it it was, I'm like, wait a minute, there's a pandemic. I'm a nurse and I'm at home. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, as things started to open up again, I obviously went back to work. And it's something you said earlier made me think about it. And it was, you know, that four weeks I spent at home, it really made me regroup and think about how I had been operating up until that point, you know, when suddenly I just stopped and I thought, oh my gosh, my life has been crazy. And like you said earlier, you know, I think it's made a lot of people very reflective and people are now paying more attention to their health and what really matters to them. And I think what's evident in what I'm seeing, especially on social media among my friends is, people are realizing it's not the material things in life. It's that connection, you know, that human connection. They're all missing it. We're all struggling with it. And it's made us all realize just how important it is. Yes. So, so true. Especially during those lockdown times, right? It was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, definitely. And the, the seeing that like how we how we handle things and like you say bringing that attention back to what really matters like the health and connection above all else like it has been such such a year for that <laughs> yeah definitely and it's that connection back to yourself as well I think that's mm-hmm. one of the most important aspects and um I talk about my um great unraveling over the last kind of few years since my divorce and it is it's that journey I thought I was homesick for years and years but I wasn't homesick I was homesick for Elena and who she was you know it's that journey back to who you actually are and I think it's that's the crux of self-care isn't it like really knowing yourself and looking after yourself Oh my gosh, I just got goosebumps. I love that so much. Yes, definitely. And so much of, you know, the whole of um, when I created the Sexy Sobriety program, the whole of that is about self-care. Like obviously it's it's a sobriety program, but what I discovered was that the what's underneath that is that we don't know how to care for ourselves. We weren't taught, we didn't, we didn't learn, we, we have no idea. And we live in a society that is very sort of masculine um, energy, which is all about go, go, go and productivity and achieve and look after others and this sort of thing above yourself and so I I love that that this journey back to yourself is such a huge one and such a it's such a revelation because you do start to discover okay actually I thought I loved all these things but when I stop and think about it when I have that time to consider actually maybe I I love these things instead and we're constantly changing and allowing yourself like actually caring for yourself you create that better relationship with yourself like you know for so long I I feel like like I, I same like you were saying like feeling homesick and I've just felt so lost all the time and I didn't know why I thought maybe everyone feels like this and, and the more I started to care for myself the more grounded I felt and the more like I felt like I've got my own back no matter what life happened like what happens in life I can always care for myself and that is so liberating and empowering yeah it is that feeling and that sense of knowing that whatever happens, you've got that internal toolkit to ensure that you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, it's been so awesome chatting to you. Where can the listeners find you if they want to learn more about your programs and your work? 
So come on over to sexysobriety.com and you can read the first chapters of my books for free. You can also watch a free video um, or you can find me at bexweller.com. <laughs> awesome. I'll put all of that in the show notes as well so they'll be able to find all the links in there. It's been wonderful chatting to you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Elena. I love this topic and I love what you're doing, helping nurses and healthcare practitioners to care for themselves. It's so important. Oh, thank you. I'm very passionate about it. And um, yeah, I'm hoping to encourage us all to look after ourselves a bit better. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon and in the meantime remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.